This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Episode 12 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have, uh, we have Mike. Hello. Lucas. What up, what up, what up? And returning to the podcast after a couple of years, we have James. Hey. Well, James, since it's been a little while since you've been on, just to refresh our, the listeners' memory, can you, can you uh, remind us how you uh, became a Spurs fan? Yeah, no worries. First of all, thank you guys for, for having me back. Um, I got into Spurs uh, in around the 2011 season. Um, I have been a soccer fan my entire life, watching it, but never being too passionate about a team. And I watched the entire 2011 season as a neutral with a Man City roommate, who, if you remember the end of that season, that was the Aguero goal that stole the title uh, from United. And so that kind of excitement uh, got me into the sport and made me choose a team. I was choosing between Swansea and Spurs. Uh, I don't know, given some of the ups and downs over the seasons, not too sure about uh, my Swansea decision. Might, yeah, Swansea might have been the right call. Swansea though. might have been a good call, but no. Spurs, uh, top until they kill me. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so couldn't choose a top four like most other Americans. Didn't want to bandwagon anything. Couldn't stand City. So uh, that year, that was Vale coming up. I think we finished fourth or fifth, fourth that season. Uh, and so it was uh, an easy choice. Well, uh, I want to start the conversation today with a little icebreaker. And uh, Mike, you pointed out that, that Nuno had a, uh, a parting message that he came out with today uh, on Twitter. And I, I did get a chance to read it myself, too. But let me read it out to you guys, and I'll get a live reaction from everybody. Um, so, wow, the last few weeks have been hectic, to say the least. This is football, the most ruthless sport in the game. Only a couple of weeks back, I was crowned manager of the month. And fast forward to the present. And it's been some days since my dismissal at Spurs. This is life. I move on forward now looking for my next challenge. And finally, I want to thank the fans of Spurs when I joined this great club. I and visaged a, a vision to bring trophies, but all didn't go as go to plan. Uh, that's all we really, th- that's all really. We live and learn. Uh, look forward to keeping all of you posted, and thank you once again for your constant support. So, so what do you guys think of that? <laughs> so understatement of the year. It didn't all go according to plan, I think was your right quote in there. No, it's, I, I do kind of understand where he's coming from in one sense, though, where it is crazy to think that in August he was crown manager of the month for the Premier League. So, I mean, I, I didn't expect to see – I mean, at that point, we were all living high going into that first break, nine points out of nine, top of the league, Arsenal nil points from nine, bottom of the league. Like, we were, we were flying high for that first, uh, for that first month, but I think we knew – um, the football had to change. Uh, I think we could look at those three games and say the City game was great, but you knew that if the football on the pitch didn't actually change, that I'd, none of us really liked the direction that was going, and that it didn't change, and that's why I think the, 
four derbies that we lost in London were embarrassments. Um, so I think I knew he was probably on his way out after that Arsenal game. But, I mean, in terms of a quote there, he is you can tell he's actually trying to show some humility and um, comes across sounding well, but um, I'm sure there's probably a lot of frustration in him there too where I'm sure he wanted a lot more out of these players that he wasn't able to get. So just we'll get into the test game, but look at just the first 20 minutes under Conti, it seems like those players were playing for a very they, – they looked like they were much more up for it all of a sudden with him not being there. So I'm sure he's kind of pissed. Like, what the hell was that effort? Where do I get that effort from? But uh, I do wish him the best. I hope whatever he finds uh, his next job is somewhere that he can go and kind of get his career back on track. Yeah, uh, James? I mean, just to quickly reiterate what Lucas said about those first three, those were all the one-nil one wins, right? It's, it, it was, we were, felt like top of the world, top of the table, first for us, Arsenal last, but it was also Mourinho light. And it was, yeah, it, continuing on to the next games after losing, I think it was three games in a row where we gave up three goals each, it was two three-nils and a three-two. Not a, yeah, not, you could see it coming. Yeah, in a 3-1, but Mourinho without the trophies, too. So, um, I, I, uh, I I do feel for him, though. I, I think he was not the right man for the job. I think we all knew that. I think every Spurs fan knew that. I think probably even he knew that because he wasn't – he was eighth or ninth choice um, when he came to manager. Um, and I feel for him. Actually, I do feel for him. I feel bad for him because, um, you know, Daniel Le- Levy put out a, a quote, I mean, a statement saying that he wanted to attack in football go back to uh, Spurs are, you know, known for. And that's not Nuno Spurs' That's not what, he, what he's ever been. And so automatically he was already in a bad place. But then you add in the fact that we just went through a, a terrible manager with Mourinho, sorry, a terrible end to a manager with Mourinho. And also uh, the Harry Kane saga, it was a lot of things stacked against him. And so I feel, I really feel for him. You know, he's always shown humility. And I think every press conference, he never – Slags off any players. He told actually the last person that he said something about um, that lack of uh, work ethic uh, players. But besides that, he was pretty consistent with his messaging. And uh, no, I just I really feel for him. He just was never the right man for the job. Yeah, and we wish him. The, I wish him the best. I don't have anything to add that you guys haven't already said there. But it, I, I I don't begrudge him that message. Um, it certainly wasn't like a Jose Mourinho message uh, on the way out, like uh, kind, kind of uh, figures up on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, James? Well, I, I will say that when he was hired, I actually did have a little bit of hope inside. And the aspect of it where it's a, I don't know, a not family man is probably the wrong word, but more of a Poch type character in terms of getting that feel back in the locker room. Locker room trying to get the players into it. I actually did have a bit of hope when he was hired. So I wasn't opposed to the Nuno signing when it first happened, but it's, well, I know we'll jump forward shortly, but it's nothing to what I'm feeling with a more recent signing. Yeah. And I mean, like, he had an interview with Everton, then he had an interview with House, then he gives him the job. He had an interview with Everton, then he gave him the job, then he came to us. And it was like, he was, it was a weird working way up. I've never seen that happen with anybody, with any job in general, like, to not be accepted in up the ladder, um, but I will say I think he's a very good manager. I think he's an amazing. I mean, I think he's would be great for a team that's trying to stay in the Premier League. I think Norwich could do a great job with him. I think Newcastle would do a great job with him. I think there's a lot of teams 
because if you remember our agenda last year, we had a really bad defense, and he actually, for the most part, figured. And yes, he got uh, a Romero signing, which is amazing, but um, for the most part, he kind of he did figure us out with regards. We looked more soft, you know. Yeah. Uh, f- final thoughts, James. I was going to say right now, Spurs as a whole are kind of falling their way up. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Nuno is working yeah. his way up in interviews yeah. right now. We're all right. Well, and that, that's probably a good place to roll into uh, the next topic of the conversation. And we're going to go back to our normal format where, and talk about the by test now. So, uh, so this was Conte's first match uh, uh, with us. Like we, he put out a very strong team, which we hadn't really seen in this uh, conference league competition yet. Um, but we kind of got the sense that he really wanted to see what he had to work with and he wanted players to, to prove themselves for him, but he was also sticking with the, the players that had been playing together a lot. So uh, they already had that kind of uh, communication and uh, on the pitch. Uh, so we weren't reinventing the wheel. We were just changing the formation and tactics a bit. Um, so we came out and uh, I think it was looking very promising at first. We, we got three goals and I think it was a matter of 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly came with attacking plan, which we haven't seen under Nuno all season. Um, and then, uh, um, you know, the wheels came off a little bit and Vitesse got a couple back. Uh, but on a whole, what, what are your thoughts on this match? Uh, Lucas? Well, I think it was, um, I think we knew we were going to see uh, the strong lineup come out right away because we knew Conte is going to want to have to evaluate these guys Um and I think we're going to see everyone get a, everyone gets a clean slate. Um, so everyone's going to have their own chance to prove to Conti that uh, they can work and try and be a part of his system. And so I think we're going to see, like, hell, we'll get to the Everton game, but we got to see Matt Doherty got put in yesterday. So it's like we're going to be seeing guys getting shots, and we're going to have to see whether or not they take advantage of those moments or not. And so I, I loved the, like that first 28 minutes we had three goals, and just to see us come out flying, bombing forward, our fullbacks getting involved. That's the part that I'm most excited about with Conti. That's the football I miss the most is when you when you have when you have your fullbacks involved going up the pitch, bombing in, you got one guy, you got one, you got guys like Emerson like making the cross and he's crossing it to his other fullback. Like you got fullbacks putting in crosses to each other almost. That's how much fun it is to watch. So um, I was definitely excited to see that. Um, Kane looked great, Lucas and Son looked great bombing forward. So um, it was it was very it was very exciting for that first half hour, and then we saw how Conti kind of Conti kind of got the full Spurs experience there in his first match. <laughs> yeah, you go up three 0 you look fantastic, and then you concede two in the next ten minutes and get a red card thirty minutes later. So, I, I thought that was, um, if anything, I was almost a little bit more excited that that happened because then Conti can go to Levy and say, "Yeah, I'm not putting up with this bull crap. Like, get me some defenders, get me some guys that I can count on to." Just mark somebody on the set piece. Um, again, Dyer continues his roller coaster of some days he looks great, some days he's just a mess. And it, for someone of his capabilities to not be able to mark a guy, um, it reminded me of the one with uh, against Ajax a few years ago where Delict had the header in the second leg, had the header off the corner in the first few minutes, and he was getting marked by Trippier. And you're like, why the fuck? What were you doing on him? Like, you go away, stand somewhere else. Like, Dyer just got absolutely bullied on that. And it's just, it's a trend that we continue to see. And I think it was, I like to spin it as a little bit of a positive because you know Conti's not going to be putting up with that crap. So, um, 
I think overall we'll take the point, um, but or the three points. But it was, uh, if anything, we can all agree on. It's like we were excited to watch again, seeing that that was the first ninety minutes that we saw after the United game and the West Ham game and all of that. It's like we wanted entertaining football, and that was it. Well, yeah, <laughs> and and that uh, your point on the fullbacks. I mean, I didn't know Emerson could move like that. And, and what I really appreciated about this match, especially, we saw a bit more of it in Everton too. People were turning on the ball, quick one-touch passes that we just haven't seen in a very long time. None of this just recycling the ball constantly. It was, especially that first thirty minutes, there was a clear attacking plan, and some things that were drilled in to players in a very short period of time. Skill sets that they had that they just haven't been using. Um, and it was nice to see that again. Um, but that was actually, to me, that was one of the things that almost frustrated me more when I was watching that game is I'm like, so, because exactly like you just said, these are skills that they've had. This isn't rocket science. When you're standing in the middle of the pitch and you get that ball, to turn and just move it into space is something that you learn when you're in like five-year-old, like, like you're learning how to play the game. That's basic level stuff. You turn and you move the ball into space. Like, We've had that ability, so I'm, it just—it was making me so frustrated as I'm watching us get the ball against the pass, and all of a sudden these guys are just getting the ball, turning on it, bombing forward, getting it off the feet, and it's like, where the hell has that been? That shouldn't be something that having a new manager come in, like all of a sudden, then you're doing that. Like that should be something that is just ingrained on how you play. So I'm very, very excited to see it now, and that that's back. But these are all guys that we've known are capable of doing that, which is why it frustrates the hell out of us who've watched us for the last several months and they're not doing it. So I'm happy that we're at least seeing that again from some of these players. Yeah, uh, 100% on the same page. In fact, I right before this, I looked at the lineup, and there was only one player change between the team that we started against United to the Vitesse starting lineup. And it was only because of a formation change. So it was also out... Um, and Sergio in just because you needed the extra, you're playing three at the back. And so the exact same team, but completely different mentality. You've got Conti as a coach who is on the side yelling at players the whole time. And maybe that's what they needed to get them moving. Maybe it's turn and move, look over here. Kind of like I shout at the TV. Maybe it's just, you know, that, that instinct form is great. I think the Lucas hit it on the head with the midfield, both players receiving the ball and turning to move forward. You also had, we still played from the back. I think that Lucas goal, that game, I think every player on the team touched it before it scored. We may have been a short one, but it was a complete passing effort that moved it all the way from Hugo forward. And yeah, that's that's exactly what the exciting football I want to see. Also, you know, the second half, like Lucas said, very spursy, allowed the two goals, multiple red cards. He got basically a... A, a season-long recap in 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. And, I mean, Hugo had to make some really good saves. Sure was. So, uh, but, you know, it's, it's exciting. I think the structure works for the team in a lot. I think um, there's a lot of frailties in every single player that we have, um, whether it's, you know, Reggio, maybe his defending isn't this great. Um, Dyer, the same scenario. Um and Romero is so aggressive, you know? so having three at the back and having wing backs pushed up like that is very helpful. Um, Kane is a really good player in regards to, um, you know, spraying it out left and right. And I think that's going to help him because he's always going to have those two options of both of his full backs being able and available there. Um, 
And I thought we were, you know, for the first 30 minutes, we really dominated. The issue with that 30 minutes was actually worried because I was hoping that we wouldn't win 3-0 because I would think that Conte would see that and be like, oh, well, great, you know, this team is nothing to work on, you know. Um, and I'm glad that Jutes uh, made it a game because, you know, Conte could see the, the issues that we were dealing with, all the issues that we were dealing with, and he got to see all, everything that was there highlighted for him. Um, and I thought that was uh, really important. Um, what One thing that worry, actually worried me was the um, the use of players. I think there's some players that don't fit into his formation, and that's kind of a concern because, um, for example, Steven Bergwijn, which we didn't see uh, in, in, in either game, Jutes or Everton, um, that's something that you know we spent good money on him. We want to see him do well. He's still young, but um, we're not sure if he's going to be able to fit in the formation. Uh, well, yeah, and well, one thing too that I think is something we got to remember is that um, we can't really get bogged down with what we think the formations and stuff are going to be because I think right now Conti probably doesn't even know what he's going to want to do moving forward with his team until he kind of can get a grasp on who he has, what he has. Um, because a lot of the Conti systems that he's run with teams is they run this they have it's, it's almost like this it's like a chessboard where everyone has like one like one or two things that is like their function so you can have a guy that isn't the best player in the world but if he does his role and he buys in and he does exactly what Conti tell him or tells him to do he can be an instrumental part of that like 11 man team and like that's what the, his Conti systems do so we might think like oh well we've all written Delhi off for example and think he's probably done but this could be Delhi could have a role under a Conti system. Sometimes it's the your role is to run it, guys. Your role is to press, guys. Your role is to hit diagonals. Like you just have like one or two roles that Conti wants you to focus on. And if we have guys that can step into those roles and buy into his project, then we might not even we might see some kind of formations that Conti maybe hasn't run before. So it's, I think we'll just have to see what we see in the next couple weeks and like weeks or so. We'll just be kind of. Conti just kind of plugging around and seeing what he has. So I don't think we'll see a rigid formation or rigid tactics out of us the next couple of weeks. Which, which makes me really excited because we have um, till January to, I mean, he's going to want to sign players, of course. I think he was promised, I think he's definitely promised a good amount of money. And I think the only reason he would have came to us is if we're going to commit to that promise and we're give him the players that he wants. But we're going to get a whole couple, uh, two months really of Conte being able to figure out who's going to fit in this team. Um, I think there's guys that haven't been getting minutes that could get minutes, like Ryan Sessegnon, for example. Um, and that makes me excited because there's a lot of players we spend a lot of money on, actually, and that haven't been getting the right amount of minutes. And so hopefully that'll uh, that'll uh, help us out. Well, and I, I could see what, with what you guys are talking about. Like, I do see a Conte system. I don't know if there's space for both a Skip and a Hoybier. And it, and they're both going to get a chance here, but um, but it really seems like that's like an area where he needs somebody else. I think right now he's playing them because he needs a, a team that's consistently been playing, and he needs a fit team. So he needs the, the that those first team players that have been playing for Nuno are the ones that are going to get most of the minutes for now until everybody else gets up to fitness. But um, but that I think that was. Uh, the, that's something to watch there. I think. I think we could see 
I think it might be Hoybier might be the, the odd man out in that, to, to be honest. Uh, James? I'm thinking the exact same thing, and I am I'm very interested. I, I agree. They both play the defensive midfielder role, and I think it'll be really interesting in our next game where we don't have Skip, right, because he got his fifth yellow card. And so this will be a situation where I'm curious whether Conte is going to throw in a Lacelso or an Indombly to start it off, or if we're going to change formations a little bit and throw on an extra winger or see, you know, see where this can go. And I think, Mike, to your point, it's spot on. It's There are players in this squad that, like, for example, Lucas, for me, I actually didn't think he was going to have much of a role in Conte's system, but he showed at the beginning of the test game, and then again on, on Sunday, that he has a spot. And under Nuno, he was the one who was dribbling forward. He was the one pushing the ball, trying to create. He has that energy. He had... Like it was him and Lamella, in my opinion, who had the passion to, to try to do something on their own. And he may very well have a role. But I'm interested in, you know, Brian Hill or Sessignon or all these other players we haven't seen yet. That, like Lucas said, it's a chessboard. You know, they all have a specific role, but it's kind of a, a let's see where the, the pieces fall. I think the, the part that I'm, I disagree with you a little bit on is that I'd say how much we spent on these players is a bit of a sunk cost. Mm. Like, I trust Conte's judgment for who he wants and who he's going to put on the board here, and if we spent a lot for somebody, hopefully we can sell them for a good amount back also. But it, to me, it's a clean slate. It's we want to put our best 11 forward every game, and if he finds a formation that works with the 11, then it's, it's time to move on from some players that I think a lot of us love. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's go to MVP for this one, and we'll start with Mike first for MVP. Um, yeah, Emerson was MVP for me in this one. Uh, that he played amazing on the right uh, right wing back position, um, especially because the the situations. I mean, there's three. I mean, we we didn't even mention there's three red cards in this game, and uh, he was at hand for one of them because he uh, tried to chip the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper uh, hit it with his hands and um, got the red card. He was trying to act like uh, Luke was saying this earlier. He was trying to act like. He was the one that did it, but you know everything's on camera. I mean, literally everything's on camera, and we see you <laughs> literally putting your hands up to stop the goal yeah, outside of the box. Center hit him in the chest, and he was pointing to his chest, yelling at the ref, and we all were looking at the ninety different camera angles. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know what part of your chest do you think that hit, but you're getting sent off. Yeah, exactly. And actually, uh, Harry Winks made that pass, which I was shocked to see. I was like, wow, maybe Harry Winks, even he can maybe re- yeah, revive his talent career, but. Uh, for me, Emerson was, and I, I didn't expect it. I thought he was more of a defensive right back. Didn't think he'd be a, a back break going forward, but he looked amazing. Well, there was that one moment where Winks was just driving into the box. I'm like, who is that guy out there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Lucas? Yeah, I had actually uh, Emerson as well. Um, I did want to give a special shout-outs to Lucas and Son up top. I thought they did a really good job driving the ball into the box. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those things where I was super pleasantly surprised that because that's one thing we really hadn't seen, and we were all kind of wondering if, oh, Royale, is he going to work under Conte because he doesn't really like to bomb forward that much. But, hell, it looked like he loved it, and he looked like he was having fun, and he was creative, and he was creating us loads of chances. So if that's something that we can expect to see from him on a regular basis, I'm all for it. So I thought he played wonderful. He's my MVP. Great shout. Uh, James? My, uh, my MVP is going to be Sun, actually, just because – Number of chances created. He led in the game. 
first goal. He actually first goal. I thought he was going to score in that second minute. I yes. Like, God, yeah. that would have been yes. so great. Yeah. Two minutes into Conte's tenure, we just stick one in. But speaking of into Conte's tenure, he was the first for Conte, first for Nuno, first for Mourinho, Mourinho first at the new stadium. Yeah. He's first Champions League goal, first across the board. Yeah, we should have put money on him being first for something. Know, so he'll, he'll take it from me. He's a legend, man. Great, great shot there. I think I'm going to agree with uh, with you guys on Emerson. I just thought he uh, like it, I always liked what I was seeing out of him, but I hadn't seen anything this impressive. It, it was it was like a whole new player. Like he was like like some some invisible cord was just cut, and he was allowed to play his game, which it, it was nice to see. Um, let's go to LVP next, and I'm just going to ask outright: Does anybody? Have anybody besides Dyer in this? Uh, Dyer's my LVP. No, um, I I think we're all probably Dyer, but I just wanted to say it's it's a testament to how bad you must have played if you're if you're the center back that we're all giving our LVP to, and there was a center back that went off with the red card. So that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we have one of our center backs get sent off with a red card, and you're still the one that we're talking about as the worst player for us, that's a problem. Dyer, you've got to sort that shit out. I mean, and you try to defend him because, you know, like, uh, Davies has, I mean, he's played center back before, but, you know, maybe Dyer's not used to playing with Davies, but no, like, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to defend Eric Dyer anymore. I think we, you know, we've seen what he's capable of, and uh, he just wasn't switched on against a team that, you know, we, we were up 3 0 on that. When you're up 3 0, you should be closing that game out, finishing it up, you know? And that was Conte, he, Conte even came out and said that in his post game. And his post game presser, I think it was, he said that um, and when you're up by when you're up three nil on teams, you need to be closing them out. That was like his first thing that he said. Not, oh, I'm excited about the excited about the performance today, or like happy to be here. Like, the first thing he's saying is like, that's not acceptable. That's not good enough. Which is really great to see because um, I know we've I, none of us have ill words that we want to say about Nuno, but under Nuno, we kind of got that that vibe that there was maybe some. Kind of apathetic almost, where you're just kind of like, okay, we got pumped again, whatever. So it's good to have a manager in a replay, and the first thing out of his mouth is, that's not, that's not good enough. We need to be better. Yeah. So as long as we have that kind of mentality, and we're going to be expecting better things. I'm, I'm all for it, and I think we'll see some more entertaining football. That's for sure. Well, and I do think that you you have to give an honorable dismention to Ramiro with the the mm-hmm. red card, but he played terrific otherwise, and and. As a center back, you have to know how to, to back off after you get that first yellow card. Yeah. I don't think the first yellow card was justified. No, nor I. But um, I, think, but, in, I think the thing that we all see there is we've seen what kind of player Romero's been since he's been here. The potential with him is limitless. Mm-hmm. But right now, like in that game on Thursday, those are decisions. Mm-hmm. Those are decisions that you made that were probably not the best. And like that can be fixed. That can be worked on. Sucking and not knowing how to mark somebody on the corner – this long into the league, Dyer, like that's not something that you can fix at this point. That's you suck and you're not good enough. Romero's like clearly we've used the word Rolls Royce with him many times. It's like he has the potential to be that Rolls Royce defender. We just tweak a few decision making things and he could be one of the best defenders we've had since Toby. So I think we'll definitely see improvement there. Whereas the reason that we're all as frustrated as we are with Dyer is we're seeing the same ineptitudes out of him over and over again and it's the same mistakes and it's causing us goals. Yeah. yeah it's always a two to three lapses of con- uh, concentration for him every game and uh, 
Maybe sometimes he gets bailed out by left back. Maybe sometimes he gets bailed out by Lloris. But sometimes he doesn't get bailed out. And then we end up, you know, conceding the goal. Um, and, you know, that's that's just things that they're back. Well, I want to move the conversation along to the Everton match. So this weekend we went into it. It was the same exact lineup that we started against by Tess, which I, I was surprised to see Dyer still in there. I thought we may have seen some changes. I thought maybe we'd see Ndombele start. Um uh, maybe we want to go with both Skip and Hoybier, but but again, I think it might be the, the fitness issue. Like uh, whatever Conte is seeing in training, he ex- expects a certain, uh, uh, I guess, not just fitness, but also um, wherewithal that maybe he's not seeing out out of some of those guys that have been like hovering on the bench a lot more. Yeah, uh, so. Um, I think it was promising that um, he did private training sessions with Ndombele. He said some very nice things about Skip this week. Um, I, I I like what he's doing. But this Everton match, uh, it had some of the same stuff that we were talking about in Vitesse, but it just it, none of it seemed to connect as much. Um, there was some attacking ideas, but we still didn't get a shot on goal. Um and we actually have a question that goes to that that I want to uh, address. So um, this one comes from Koi's uh, um, MKE on Twitter. Um, our shots on goal have been abysmal. How do we solve that? Well, I think the first way is the first thing that I would ask is so we've all watched this week and we watched the United game, the West Ham game, the West Ham second half. There were no shots. There was no shots on target for the entire United game. There was no shots on target for this Everton game. But if you look at all three of those, didn't this one feel a lot different? This felt like we had ideas, we had purpose, we had intent when we had the ball at our feet. And it just wasn't, we just didn't click well enough. I think we had a couple of opportunities that were real, real good opportunities that we fucking binned off in the, the regular one where he was right in front of that Royale missed one. LaCelso hit the post. Like we, we had a lot of really good opportunities. Um, it's So it's a start. I mean, there's still things that we need to sort out, but I think it, it definitely looked much, much better than these games that we've seen. We just have, we haven't got the end product here. It hasn't been there yet, but I definitely feel much more encouraged than I did watching that United game last week with those shots on target. Completely agreed. I mean, like, as you said, five of our last six halves have had no shots on goal. That has to be something you stare at. It's just a like awful number. But in general, it did feel different. We actually had more uh, chances created than Everton did. Like we felt like that team. And we also can't forget that I'm guessing. I mean, obviously, just pure speculation. But one of the focuses of the game was going to be defending, and we got a clean sheet with time. So like, it's it, what was the focus of that game? And it may be it, it may have been a little bit more defensive. But I do feel we are. We are creating more chances. It's the moving in the right direction. I didn't feel like it was going to improve under Nuno, and I do feel like there's there's hope for it now. You also look at Conte in general and how he brings a lot out of strikers on his previous teams. And I'm curious. I mean, I, I'm hopeful for what he can you know bring Kane back to one of the best strikers in the world, who uh, who um, whether it's a confidence boost or, or needs more balls fed his way. I think there's a that's where, where the chances are going to come from. Yeah. yeah. I think it was, for, for, it's just, at the moment, it's a final pass situation with the, the 
players that are making the final pass are not making the correct final pass, the right decision, or putting enough weight on the final pass or the way it's shaped. I mean, um, there was a situation where um, Sun was running against uh, the United defense and Lo Celso passed it with his outside right foot, uh, outside left foot instead of passing on his right, and that messed up the chance. I think there was a situation against Everton where um, I think um, Harry Kane crosses it into Sergio, and you know Sergio actually has time and space if he takes the touch and then and then hits it, he'll he'll get it on target. It's a good chance to score, but he doesn't do that. So I think it has to do with more of the final pass um, at the situ- in the situation. Cleo Berg had a couple couple chances where they got cut out by Fabian Delft and Michael Keane. Um, that's that's the only thing that's really frustrating. Um, there's times where pass needs to be made. And it's not being made. I think um, Lucas has even uh, had a situation like that where Lucas was kind of starting to dribble instead of trying to pass it to the open guy. And I think that caused a little bit of an issue. But I think that's something that we can figure out. That's, you know, that's something that we'll, we will figure out. And uh, once Kane gets to ticking, because at the moment he's not uh, all there yet, but once I think once we start ticking with Conte, I think uh, we'll have a lot more chances, a lot more shots on target. And I think that this will be a big issue. Yeah, and I think the the thing with Lucas is one where he's the one he's one that's actually going to have to adjust his game a little bit because Lucas has been I have nothing but amazing things to say about how he's carried us this like season so far. He's been the only player every week, breaking runs, trying to carry the ball forward. But now we're at a point where we might not need you to be doing that every time. You don't have to get the ball and run every single time. Now it might be we need you to actually make that final pass, which has always been a bit of his weak spot. So if he's if, if he's able to kind of adjust his game and work on actually delivering that final pass successfully, he can probably stay a massive part of like and have a massive role in Conti's system. If he can't figure out how to make that final pass, I think he could be one of the people we see get fall by the wayside because I mean, in Conti's system, you're going to have to be able to deliver those final balls into the box, and that's just never been Lucas' strong suit. Yeah, and he might be more useful off the bench in the yeah, Conte exactly. system. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's exactly the that, – that could be the role that Bergwijn fills in, and Lucas becomes an off-the-bench pace injection at the 70th minute, something like that. I'd also add that I don't think it's just the final pass – the final pass. I think it's passing in general. I think we saw these last couple games – that we are so much quicker with the ball at our feet, we will pass and, and make that pass or turn and look forward and make that pass. But we also had a like pass success rate, I think, in the 60s or somewhere that's not the best. And I think with time um, and, and the uh, getting used to that style of football, we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to turn the, the chances around, which is back to the question. Okay, well, I want to go to another question that we have. Uh, this one comes from the... The, the account I call Big Bird, AP23871 on Twitter. Um, I, he, he says, uh, I feel like we can read something good about Conte in, in the fact that we had a clean sheet against Everton. Do you think it's too early to say? No, I mean, I mean look, at, the first thing I brought up when I said how much different this game looked than the United game, I'm like, I think that... It's not too soon to say, just because even if you look at the Patesk game, that first 20 minutes again, um, it's clear that the players are responding to his coaching. And I think we can, There's like we've said, there's things that need to get ironed out, um, and they will. And for those that can't 
change or uh, adjust to Conti's system, I think they're going to find their way out. Conti's going to have no problem cutting guys loose and bringing in the guys that he wants to bring in. Um, so I think it, it is something to be excited about and be positive about the fact that we were able to keep a clean sheet and we, again, didn't have the shots on target, but it looked so much more. It looked we looked like we had such a we had a purpose when we had the ball, and that's something that we haven't been able to say for a long time. And for me, it was having the clean sheet when we were playing more of an attacking brand, because um, that's what uh, Mourinho could seem to accomplish to his, his whole tenure. Like as, as soon as he went too aggressive with the attack, it, it all fell apart, and we gave up goals, which is why he he really seemed to park the bus every match because he didn't trust his defense to 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 protect the goal if we were going forward too aggressively. Um, so Kate seems to not have that fear. Um, and we saw a bit more of attacking brand, even though they're really working out the kinks in that attack still. Uh, but the defense held it together despite that, this, this match. Yeah. And there was that, there was that, um, that little bit in the, like around like the 60th minute or area where it started to get kind of chippy. And it was like, they were, they were launching guys into the box and it was a little bit dodgy there for like five, 10 minutes. But other than that, it wasn't like Everton was really creating that many opportunities that really threatened us. Um, I thought we had a really good job staying in control throughout the majority of that game. And even after that little bit of a brief window there where Everton seemed like they were coming at us a little bit, we were able to just come through. Uh, we actually, our defense was able to keep their shape and kind of weathered the storm. And then we took the game back to them with a nice couple of subs that we brought in. Um, and like we were able to re like reestablish our grip on the game. And so I think if we see more of that against the team with this, like Everton, I know they had some injuries, but like those are guys that can hurt you. And so I was actually really pleased with the way our defense played yesterday. And I'm like, that's something we can see a lot more of. While, like you mentioned, while being on the attack for the majority of the game, that's that's much more impressive than a clean sheet where you spent 90% of the game just dicking it around between three players in the midfield. Like when you're actually taking it to them and you're able to use that, uh, get that clean sheet. And that was really promising. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've never seen a, to be honest, I've never seen an Everton team that up for a game. They were so up for it. Like, I've never seen an Everton team that was like that. Like, that fan, the crowd was on them from minute one, and they were pressing, and they were really harrying us. Uh, and despite all of that, we were still making good passes, creating good chances, and I think that's a good that's a good sign of a really good team. I think that's, uh, that's exciting. Uh, defensively, I thought we were fine. I thought we were good. Um, I think that... Um, you know, when you have Hoiberg and Skip there, you know, you're, you have a lot of help in regards to the defense. There's a lot of co- you know, people are getting covered up that, um, that you know, that usually wouldn't be. So I'm wondering if, I'm hoping that, you know, that continues when you're not playing Hoiberg and Skip, you know. If you're playing one of the two of them, maybe, you know, maybe sacrificing that, will that affect us defensively? I mean, we did have a situation where um, Lloris was getting VAR check for a red card there, or sorry, for a penalty there, and uh, I was concerned about that. For a second, I was like, I don't know, that was really close. That was so close to uh, being a, a penalty for, for Everton there, and I think on a different day, maybe under Nuno, uh, we would have lost that game. I think I think we would have, and that's a, already a good sign that we, we fought through it, we kept going, and um, towards the end, we could have scored. It's funny how it's funny too how those those that seems to happen with the VAR. It's it's when when it gets uh, when it gets overturned like that, it almost works like a goal in your favor where it completely flips momentum because as soon as they came out and like the ref waved it off, we had this like 
little bit of like a injection back into us and we started bombing forward again and I was like, okay, that might have been all we needed was Hugo just getting a sketchy fake penalty to get VAR for us to get back in it. So I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that um, under different, under the Nuno regime, I could see us definitely having fucked that game away and instead to see us actually like stay strong, end up getting a red card for us and taking the game to them for like the last 10 minutes or so was a much improved sight than watching us with, with Nuno, unfortunately. Yeah. I do think I agree completely. I think the 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 tip of the finger touched by Hugo was a is a game changer that easily he knew what he was doing. Could have, yeah. He easily could have been uh, yeah, a, a one eighty for the game, but it was called right. That's one of the ones VAR is uh in our favor, but also more importantly correct. Um and and the ball was hit first and there was uh the goal scoring chance was lost after it was touched. I think I think Conte is also able to play around a bit with the defense here too. Um, when one of the reasons why I'm just pure speculation, but kept that midfield lineup is then he could try a little bit something with the center back pairing. And I thought it was very interesting the sub he made for Sergio for Matt Doherty as the sub to make to put him on the left side and see see where that that went near the end of the game. And I think he's going to play around with the defensive formations the same way. I'm curious to see if. If, uh, if if Roden fits in there, I'm curious to see you know quite a bit of where both sides of the ball take shape for us. Well, I think Regulon wasn't having a particularly good match, Agreed. and I think it was a, the, the right sub, and there really wasn't any other options uh, uh, to to go in with because Sassignan uh, is still hurt. Well, what he, I was thinking he was going to do is I was thinking he was going to put Ben Davies back on the left and put a another center back in. Sanchez made an appearance midweek. Uh, for that game, and if he'd come in as a center back, or we could see something subtly different, but I know that that's not. I'm guessing that's not the role uh, that Ben's going to play under a country system. Well, and, 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 and we needed a goal still. I mean, it would be different if it was if it was one nil at that point. I think he could have done that, but uh, I just don't see it. Uh, like when you still need a goal. What do you mean you don't see Ben Davis bombing forward? Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he? You can't picture that. Yeah. I thought maybe we'd see, and, it, and this is what's kind of fun now too, is that we get to sit here and everyone has a fresh start basically with Conti. So we get to now do stuff like this where we're kind of speculating and it's exciting to think what are there going to be some of these things that we play around with? Like where do we see if Sessegnon can ever get healthy? Where do we yeah. see him fit in? Where do we see Tanganga? Maybe he, we've seen Tanganga likes to get forward and can actually defend as well. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities there for these guys that, um, some of these young defenders will we'll see if some of these guys want to go out and take advantage of one of these opportunities and try and cement themselves into Conti's team. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good place to go to MVP on this one. So uh, let's uh, let's see. Let's start with Mike again. Um, this was a tough one. I think Oliver Skip was MVP for me. Uh, I thought he played, you know, amazing. I, if you look at his stats, I think he had ninety three percent. Yeah, ninety three percent passing, which is insane. Um, and he just looked the calmest guy in midfield, which is not normal for someone that young to look that calm in midfield when the crowd was, like, outrageous. I don't know if you guys really felt the crowd noise, but, like, on my TV, yeah, I felt like the crowd was, like, really on the entire team. I was surprised that, like, I was surprised that, like, um, they were even able to. Uh, on the comment of the crowd being outrageous, the booing of Sun, can we give yeah, that? That is ridiculous. insane Honestly, and ridiculous. Yeah, 
for for an in, you know the incident that he apologized for the he, red card was rescinded. Yeah, like it wasn't. No, at least they, at least they weren't for tests because we saw the tests had some uh, racial abuse thrown at some this week. So. Mm-hmm. Someone went right up to them and celebrated in front of them, which is just <laughs> the best. So you love to see it. But yeah, their crowd was up for it. But what about our away boys? Our away boys oh. were making a lot of noise. You could hear them ringing around Goodison. So good on our boys for supporting the team away. Yeah, and I mean, like always. at the end of the day, Oliver Skip was so calm and composed the entire game. Like, just moving the ball well, uh, just turning out of trouble. Just so good. And it, it's really exciting, honestly. Like, I, there was a comment actually on Twitter today that, um, you know, Antonio Conte sees Skip as a player for the future and that he's a guy that he's going to give a lot of more chances to. And I'm glad because this guy is performing right now. He's performing, you know, way above at a very, very high level. And um, it just makes you so excited when you have a player, came from the academy, and uh, is doing what he's doing right now. He's just, he's so good. Um, but that was my MVP. That was my MVP. I'll uh, keep it short. I would just say agree 100%. Skip is mine. Okay, James? Well, now that there have been two people to say Skip, I've got to disagree. I would have picked Skip. I would have picked Skip. I'll say the same thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Hugo. I think he had uh, keeping a clean sheet, having a couple of those great saves, the, the penalty shot where he did touch the ball first, keeping it together back there. I, I'll give it to Hugo on this one. Yeah, I, uh, I let's split it down the middle. I'll take Hugo as well. I I think they both were fantastic, but uh, I agree. I am so excited about Skip as a player, everything he has to offer, um, and it seems like Conte starting to like him too. So I think we're going to see a lot more of Oliver Skip, uh, regardless of who we purchase uh, this this winter or in the summer window. Um, but let's go to LVP next, and we'll go reverse order this time. So we'll start with James. Um, I got one if you want to think about it for it. I was going to say mine was actually, and again, it feels kind of weird giving it to him because of how great he's been for us, but mine's Hoybeer. Uh, <clears throat> I think Hoybeer, like I said, we, we alluded to earlier, I think one of the things I'm kind of worried about is that he might get lost shuffle here as we go forward because we're not going to need him and Skip starting every game, um, but I think we'll see again, Hoybeer yesterday just he didn't do enough on either side of the pitch just, he, he got lost for a large chunk of that game and a guy like, if he's going to be if, that, if that's the way, like, if he plays like he did yesterday routinely he's going to be the first one to kind of go on the wayside by in terms of like a La Celso or an Indombole or someone that can actually help us create and link up forward, we'll probably skip good enough to be able to do the job defensively where, Hoiberg, we need you to add more on the attacking side then. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, we didn't see that yesterday, and that could have been one of the things we really needed when we were trying to get that goal is if he was a little bit tidier and able to get us something attacking. Because once La Celso came on, all of a sudden we saw a bunch more uh, creative chances, and that's... It's something that we kind of need from Hoiberg right now. We're not seeing it. Yeah, it, and it doesn't seem like it's something he's necessarily good at. No. I think he might need a rest. Like he's played 15 months straight. And, like, uh, he played some very important matches in the Euros for Denmark. And I think um, this guy's been playing nonstop for us. He's played every single game, every single minute, and uh, he's been key for us. I think he might need a break. And I think Skip is the guy that, to give him that break. Not against Leeds, though, because he can't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dumbass. <laughs> um, James? 
I'm going to go uh, Regulon for my LVP on this one. Um, I think the early yellow card hurt him. I think he uh, he didn't have the same pace, the same effect on the game that he showed uh, midweek against the test. And I think that the, being the first sub kind of pointed that out too. Um, and Conte saw the same thing. I think it's a good shout too because with – it's something that's really important as a fullback. Um, if you're a fullback that's going to be looking to try and bomb forwards, getting an early yellow is just so detrimental because then you have to then adjust the way you're playing to make sure that you're not getting caught out and you're not exposing because you don't have that leeway to make a mistake if you get caught out and you have to come back and be a little bit more aggressive. You have to err on the side of cautiousness every time, which isn't what you want if you're trying to bomb forward and get goals created. So the early yellow, I think, was just brutal for yeah, and, and I'll jump in and just agree with you, James, that, that, that he's my LVP as well for the same reasons. Uh, but you had another. I was going to say the, the yellow is even bigger for a player like him whose defensive skills include <laughs> sliding back and like and doing a last this last last ditch defense on that side. And it's the the ability to slide in for a 50-50 ball was taken away from him at the 12th minute of the game. So yeah, and I think you know. That, that was my LVP from the start as well. I feel bad for him. But can I shout out uh, an opposing team's player? I thought a former player of ours, Andrews Townsend, who got the yellow for Sergio. I thought he was actually really good. And I was like excited to see him play so well with Everton. He actually was a free agent this year, which doesn't happen to players that are very good. You know, I, like, okay, like he's a, he's a decent player. But uh, I'm glad he found a team with Everton. I'm glad he's playing well with them. Yeah, no, he he. Uh, there were some times where he made Davies and and uh, Reguilon look pretty bad. I was like, oh man, this is. He was going down pretty easy though at times too. Oh, a lot of a lot of them. I watched some of those ones like with Carlson in the box. Like I, I wanted to jump in the TV and just slap that man. He was oh, just Carlson. Oh my god, acting and so some of the bad. some of the Everton antics were brutal. So yeah. that, that gets a special shout for LVP with yeah. their antics. Yeah. But I will call out that. Romero incident right after the Hugo save, the, the potential penalty, yeah. where he made a head thrust. Oh God, yeah, was, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't worth carding, it wasn't worth anything. But you got to be smarter than that. Yeah, you just came off getting a red midweek, dude. I know. To do a, a lunge at a player headbutt in the Premier League where cameras are on everything. Yeah, yeah. Romero's been, and he's been, he's been pretty close. He's been walking that line since he's been here. He's been getting yeah. in a lot, involved in a lot of those little scrapes. Yeah, and he's yeah. certainly good. He, and he had the in the he had those uh, problems in Syria, from my understanding as well. But, but uh, isn't there also some history there between them, between Brazil and Argentina as well? Yeah, oh, yeah. they had something yeah. during Copa. Yeah, it's, yeah. So there's yeah, there's a lot going on there. But yeah, he, he certainly has to learn some of that. Hopefully, Conte can teach teach him some of those skills. Um, but. Um, I think that, uh, or did we get your uh, LVP, Mike? Yeah, it was Sergio. Oh, Sergio. Oh, Sergio. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think that about wraps up the half. Uh, in the second half, we are going to um, talk about briefly about the international break. We have a couple more questions, and then we're going to preview the Leeds match. So we have no halftime segment today. Uh, so we are going to roll right into the uh, second half topics. Um, and I want to start off with those second half topics with a, a couple of uh, questions that we have. Um, so um, the first one comes from uh, at the real Shubin, Shubes, uh, uh, our loyal listener. 
Uh, and Chubes asks us, um, well, first, we'll do the first part and then the second part. But the first part is how many shots of Jepson Malort when uh, Tommy uh, says Sweden? Well, Tommy wasn't on this episode, so I think that would have been a fun <laughs> drinking game. But I think the better drinking game might be to just have Tommy drink every time he says Sweden. Well, I mean, that's always one of the fun ones when Tommy's on before the international break or after the international break and the conversation just happens to get railroaded into like a mini speed uh, Sweden podcast. So probably never <laughs> a safe bet to make a drinking game around Tommy and his weird Sweden obsession. <laughs> well, uh, but let's let's go into the second half of the question, which I think is the the more pertinent one. And he asks, are we putting too much emphasis on the January window, especially if Newcastle get out of the bottom three and start to use their blood money? I mean, that's a tough one. Um, I think I definitely think we will spend. Um, I know that there's some guys that we've been linked with already that um, are having January is one of those weird ones because a lot of times if you're in desperate need of new players in, um, that's where you can get stuck with um, some you can kind of get put over a barrel. So it's hard to do good business, which is something that Levy does like that's where Levy's. You're not going to get as many good deals um, for a lot of situations. But then you have the other fl other side of the coin where you have guys who have expiring contracts. And I think the couple of the guys that we've been linked with are guys whose contracts are coming up in the summer. So this is where you actually have the bargaining power and you get them over a barrel because it's you either take whatever we want to pay now or you let them walk for free if they haven't redone their contract. They're going to be walking for freeze in the summer. So I think we'll see... Um, I know that's the case with a couple of different guys, so I wouldn't be shocked at all if we have some new blood in. Um, and, I, and I think we've all said this too, where we, I don't think it's going to get fixed in this January window. To think that we're going to be, we'll buy a few guys in January and then all of a sudden we'll just start smashing themes 5-0 and we're going to finish top four is a little overzealous. But I think that we'll definitely see, um, we'll see what Conti's intentions are by what he does in this January window. And I think we'll see that Levy and him will have had something worked out where he's allowed to go spend and bring a, bring a few new players in. And I think based on what we've said earlier in this podcast, he, he may not know yet, right? This is still the, the period where he, he's trying to figure out his formation, figure out who can fit where, who can play each of those chess pieces, if you will, like Lucas said. Um, but it's, I think, I, I trust... Paratici, I think that he I'm one or two key moves um, maybe in the January transfer window for exactly what Conti wants. The purse strings may have opened up a little bit. I mean when Conti came on, there was the whole his initial comments where this team is now showing ambition everything from uh, primarily keeping Harry Kane right? So there's there, Levy has changed a little bit um, and I, I expect to see one or two people, but I don't think this is going to be the make or break transfer window. I'm excited to see the entire 18-month contract currently under Conti. And Paratici has a very good, um, like, really good record with getting free agents. He did a lot of them for Juventus, and I think that this is a good time to get some players for um, Antonio Conte, the guys that he's worked with and guys that he knows well up from the Serie A. There's... Um, the bridge who's coming up on his contract ending uh, from Inter. There's also Brozovic from Inter who, you know, both these guys he worked with and won the league with them last year. So there's a good chance that he uh, could 
if you want them, that they're available for free. I mean, you don't even have to put any of the money down. You know, Levy loves to hear that. Um, <laughs> yes. Kessier from Milan is the, that's a big one. He's a midfielder, um, very talented, and uh, I think Milan's going to hate the fact that they're losing him for free. The same way they lost Donnarumma for free. Um, they're going to hate that fact. And so maybe we can agree a pre-contract with Kessier, and then uh, Milan decides to sell him to us. And that would be um, for a cut rate price, which would, be, which would be great. But I will say that in the beginning of the, at the end of the summer, Paratici's talked about how he lowered the age profile of the squad. And I don't know if he wants to go back from that. I don't know if he wants to go back from lowering the age profile of the squad into re again, uh, again hiring the age profile of the squad. And these guys are not going to come for like low wages. They're going to go for a lot of wages. And not only that, but they're going to take away minutes from our guys like Skip and, um, you know, I mean, Winks has definitely got to go. But, you know what I'm saying, like players like that. And, um, you know, we only have so many foreign player spots. I think there's like a, a limit of uh, foreign player spots that we're allowed to have. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big question. And, and I think you're dead on with that there. I think a lot of the uh, like Twitter and the media misses the fact that a lot of the players that he's targeting are foreign players. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the players that we're talking about separating from potentially like the Winks and the Delis of the world that have been kind of talked about. We can't get rid of all of them and still ha have enough homegrown players for the competitions that we're in, uh, Lucas. Well, I think it, what, another interesting thing is going to be: um, Do we think that um, Conti's going to be given the money to go buy out and spend on who he wants to? Um, I, I, I can't imagine that he would have come to Spurs without having some kind of guarantee that we will have. Uh, at least some kind of money set aside for him to spend in this first window because you can't be bringing a manager in after your team is at the bleak place that we were last week where we're bottom in every category and all of these different things. So you can't bring in a guy and expect him to work miracles unless he's given some leeway to go bring in players that he wants. And so I think he, Levy, and Paratici had had to have some kind of agreement worked out in advance. But I think what's interesting for me is to see – what players we see leave in January because that might be something that was worked into the deal too where okay you can spend this much on new players but also anyone we sell you can use that money or something too so it'll be interesting to see if Conti uses these next couple uh next couple of like games or next six weeks or so to really see who he who he thinks is going to fit with him and who he thinks is just dead weight and we might see those players leave um in this January window too who, who would you It's so again another one of those is probably going to have to be um, you're going to probably we're not going to see the English guys leave because we do need to hit that quota. Um, but someone like Dyer doesn't actually count as a homegrown player, so I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him leave or a Bergvine leave or um, even a Lucas Mora, um, which again I would that would kill me. But if that's what Conti's, if if like, it's kind of going to be one of those things where like one of my cousins had asked me the other day he said like what player would you like to bring in this January and the first thing I said I'm like well the top three guys that I want are whoever Conti wants first whoever wants he wants second and whoever he wants third those are the only guys I want whatever Conti says I'm like we have to back him and otherwise what's the point if we've brought in Conti one of the best managers and we're not giving him the full support that he needs and is expecting and that he will 
has proven that he needs to do amazing things and win cups and win competitions. It's like, if we're not going to back him, then we're just wasting our own time here. Well, the second question also comes from Big Bird, who gave us the earlier question. Um, and it's kind of along the lines that we're already talking, so I'm going to throw it in with the, the the rest of the conversation. And he asks, it's all about January. Conte only has an 18-month contract. Are there any clues about how much money Spurs are going to spend? And who are the realistic targets? We've already kind of start, started talking about the targets. But how much do you guys think that we will spend? Um, and do you think that this 18-month uh, contract means anything at this point um that was i was actually just gonna jump in real quick because that was something that um i think we've been putting a lot of emphasis on is the 18 month contract thing and i don't think we really need to um that's one of those things it's i, I think that's just kind of becoming the norm now for some of these for some of these contracts is that these managers are going to be getting an 18 to 24 month window or something and it's I, I don't think that that's some hard line you either solve everything in 18 months or you're out because we have a lot of problems in this in our squad so it, it might take us a long time to actually get going and i think if we are backing him and we're giving conti the money that he needs to spend then i don't think that i mean you're playing it you're managing at tottenham hotspur this is one of the top clubs in england this is the best stadium training ground you name it all that so it's not like it's not like this is a stepping stone gig for him if we give him the support he needs i don't think that that's a big deal i, I guarantee that if, if we're able to see some progress and results and we back him, I could see him getting that contract restructured by next summer into a three- or four-year deal or something. I think he alluded to that, too, during his first interview where he was talking about how this is the first of many seasons. This, he, he didn't go into the whole rhetoric like this is a long project like Jose did or, or, or like Nuno did, but it, was a, it, it didn't feel like this was a, a stint. It didn't feel like this was 18 months uh, based on the way he was talking and the way he was saying what, what Spurs could be. Um, so I have, I have longer vision than the 18 months with him, but I, I do agree that the upcoming transfer windows will be key. Well, I just don't think that this uh, – like, I think this is the new nature Agreed. of coaching contracts. This is uh, shorter-term contracts. Um, wor- work it out, and then you can exp- extend that at any time. Which is uh, why I think we shouldn't put too much emphasis on the January exactly. window, too. If we don't fix every one of our problems this January, it's not the end of the world. Like, he'll have next summer. He'll have we'll, – we'll, we'll, we'll still need to see a lot of turnover in this group before we start actually go out winning teams and or winning trophies and competing for cups. So it's like I think that – I definitely think we'll spend a little bit. I think we'll probably see him go out and get a new defender or another midfielder. But um, – it's not like we're going to go bring in a host of six players and maybe we'll see a new fullback or a new wingback or something. But, um, yeah, I don't think we need to put an over – we don't need to put too much emphasis on this January window as if it's the end-all be-all for us. I, I do think that it's an opportunity, though, like as you were saying, Mike, with some of the players that uh, their contracts are running out, if they wait until the summer, they're going on a free. I think we can jump in and offer teams a little bit of money now to get a player that's uh, much more valuable than what we're offering. And, and if Conte does have the money that, um, that's been talked about that, that he has to spend like the, in the $180 million range, um, I think you could get, get some really savvy business this window. Uh, yeah, it, I, I'm kind of getting sick of the word uh, project. I mean, honestly, project is not a real 
term. I mean, no, there's rarely nowadays rarely a manager that stays on a team for um, that long of a time. It, it's usually just you know going year by year and how how the team have improved and if they're trending in the right direction. And you know maybe maybe this is more protection for Conte. You know maybe he's gonna get sick of being with us. You know maybe he's gonna be like. Oh, he will. Know, it's just a matter of when. If <laughs> <laughs> you watch first, yeah. You know what? This was good enough for me, but now I'm going to move on to PSG, which might be open, or or uh, Real Madrid, which might be open, and so different jobs where he can even spend even more money. So um, I'm not really worried about that. I am interested in see who he will sign. Um, you know, there's like we said, there's a lot of uh, contracts, but for me, I mean, maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a dreamer. Maybe I'm just like a, a, a just you know love the idea of it, but. I wouldn't. I would love to see Erickson come back. I know, you know, he's had that whole situation with, um, you know, having cardiac arrest and, and, and dropping on the field. But it um, looked like he wanted to come back to Italian football, and they didn't allow it. And you know, he's actually worked with Conte, so he knows how Conte runs. And maybe, you know, if he could just maybe he he wants to play with us to hold out his career, maybe get the last twenty minutes of a game. And deliver a corner better than Los Celso did at the last minute. <laughs> oh, that, that, that really pissed me off. That was so, so pitiful. It was so, so bad. Especially because they had a red card. We had a chance to score there. And, like, we have a lot of guys that could have scored. And, uh, he could have played it short, too, right? Yeah, the, the option was I right know. there. He faked it once, could have played it short. Yeah. Ugh, what a waste. To be fair, I mean, Harrison wasn't the greatest at corners either. But Towards the end of his career, he was pretty terrible. Too. Son's been least, doing well. That's what I'm saying. At least, at least, man, when was the last time we scored a free kick? I can't even remember. Like, that's – I miss I miss all of everything Erickson provided. I think towards the end of last season we had one because I remember thinking, oh, look, this hasn't, had, this hasn't happened forever. But I think we technically could say that we had a – Son's goal against Watford in like the 40th minute that was the one that he whipped into the box that nobody touched yeah, <laughs> and so the goalkeeper right. got beat on it so that counts as a set piece goal but that was a cross that just kind of found its way in have, so have we had at the bar a set piece roulette winner this year no 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 so that not this year yeah. Um, yeah I think I think we'll definitely uh, I think a really interesting one is what Mike brought up earlier with the fact that will Paratici want to go older um, but I think it's going to be one of those where he and Conti have a really good working relationship. So I know if if Conti goes to him and says, this is who I want, that's what's important is if Conti identifies someone as that's who I want, we have to go make that happen. We can't have business getting in the way and Levy and Paratici saying, well, we don't really know if we can afford that or this. What about this guy instead? It's like if, if we're going to back him, we have to do it right. And if that's who he wants and he targets somebody, it has to be that guy that we bring in. Just to wrap up that question, I think, for a final piece, and again, purely speculative, but I wonder how much has been thought about for Inter's financial situation compared to Tottenham's. And so where Conti came from and what what he's been like, where it's selling everybody to a stable club right now, I wonder if he chose Tottenham because they've got that institution, because there's that institution, because there's the, it's, yeah, it's, it's not financially or in financial troubles at all right now. I wonder if um, there's a bit of it that here, yes, we can give him what he wants. Yes, we can afford who he wants. But maybe that is a sign for a longer term. I know you hate the word project, yeah. but a, a longer term uh, Conti Spurs relationship. Well, and it's potential that over the summer, 
he was wasn't sure where things were going with COVID. Uh, where lockdowns going to come back in at that point? Um, numbers were going up all over the world again. He wanted um, time off. He had uh, like, Kane, not knowing where yeah, he was going to uh, be. He he may have realized because let's face it, like the financial situation of our stadium not being able to host all these events and have all that influx of money um, really put into question our ability to spend. Um, but now that those events are back. Um, he, he seems more confident that we are going to be able to spend and it, that very well could have something to do with it uh, that hasn't really been talked about that much yep well if you got a guy that literally just won he won the title in Syria and then walks away because they're saying we can't spend and we're going to have to cut players so he just says screw it I'm out yeah. you cannot have that guy then walk into your club and say well here are your spending limitations because he's going to have no problem saying fuck it I'll go somewhere else then 100%. Ali will be out in no time in United. He'll say, screw it. I'll go take that job or something. Like, we have to back him. There's no there's no two ways about it. This is this is now or never where – not now or never like in terms of January, but, like, this is our opportunity here to actually back a world-class manager and hopefully have it pay off for us. We can't, me, we can't get cheap about it. <laughs> and that, that, I haven't mentioned this, but that makes me so excited that we even got him. Like, I'm so excited because that tells me that Levy had a promise something. You know, there's no way that he's not going to renege on his problem because I think that Conte would be quick to be like, it's January 15th and you haven't got me the player I wanted. I'm out of here. Like, I wouldn't be surprised hmm. if he did that. Like, I think he's that vindictive. Like, I've heard a lot of Well, he'll certainly him. go to the media and let it know, too. Exactly. He'll, he'll be very quick to let everyone know that Levy's not keeping up his end of the bargain. And fans are already on Levy. Like, we are already, like, feeling that way about him. Like, you are not backing any of our managers and so that means that we're gonna put the blame on you, not on Conte, you know? It's so that makes me so excited. Plus Harry Kane and Son are, are ending their, like coming to their prime of the career. They're already in the prime of the careers, but they're coming towards the end of the careers and we wanna make sure that they can, you know, we're not just providing for the future. That's why I don't think the project is correct, that we're trying to win something now with them when they're still at the best of their ability. Yeah, and I, I think it's the, the time too, and certainly that's how Conte works. Yep. Um, Excellent conversation there. I want to move into our preview. Before I do, let me just um, mention we're recording here live at the Atlantic. We are back to in-person recording. We do realize that the we had some sound issues with the first half. We fixed them this half. We apologize for, for that. I hope you stuck with us this long uh, because I think the content was very good and definitely worth listening to. Uh, but, um, but I want to preview this Leeds game. Um, I'm going to do a little bit less in the preview than I normally would, uh, but uh, Leeds currently is in 15th place in the league with 11 points. That's two wins, five draws, and four losses. Their most recent match, they uh, drew 1-1 to Leicester at home this uh, past Sunday, um, and prior to that, they won, lost, drew, and then lost, so a mixed form for them. Um, we uh, know, know that they like to play attacking brand of football. Uh, Rafina is the, their, by far their most talented player right now. What do you guys think on this uh, uh, Leeds match? Well, it's always tough um, to predict after an international break because I remember the, the first one of the year this year, we had those three points from th or, uh, nine points from three games. We're all riding high, imagining that the palace game after the break was going to be a great one and then the craziest international break in history happened and it ended up being a shit show um so hopefully we can get through this international break with no real injuries or people getting arrested on the pitch in brazil or something like last time <laughs> but 
Well, and let's mention that real fast, the international break. Uh, we do still have a lot of players going, but not quite as many. I mean, we know that Kane's going to be playing for England. I, I believe Skip will be for the under-20 uh, team or whatever. Um, I, we're certainly going to have our, our guys from uh, um, uh, Argentina going again. Well, it'll be great um, to have Conti actually get a little bit of take a little bit of a deep breath and actually get a little bit of time on the training ground with some of these players because you know it's he got in there what Tuesday last week he was announced and then had a day to train for the Vitesse game and then we had a training session on Friday and then that was pretty much it and then like a light workout Saturday so it's like it's gonna have it's it's gonna take time for us to actually see Conti's system into play and he needs time with the players on the training ground so that's one of these where the guys that aren't going away to international duty will get to spend the next two weeks working with him up into the game. So, like, that's going to be beneficial for us massively. And there'll be an opportunity for those guys to show what they can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, this could be huge for Ndombele, who doesn't make the, the French team. Mm -hmm. um, it could be huge uh, for Deli Ali, who, uh, who hasn't made England in two, three years. Um, Did Brian Hill get called up for Spain again? I think he's still injured, isn't he? Still injured. Uh, yeah, I don't think he did. I'm not not entirely sure, but I, I think he's still coming back from the injury. Um, Sergio Reguilon didn't get called up this, this yeah, time. Yeah, he didn't. Reguilon did not get called up this time. So, um, and that's that's two guys that really Good need some well. time yeah. and to, to prove themselves. And they, they very well could benefit from the extra time with Conte. Well, this is, I think, and I think this is, I think we catch leads in a good spot here where we're starting to see the uptrend in the way we've played. I know it's been two games and one of them was Vitesse and that was a bit of a shit show, but uh, I think like we talked about in the first half here, I think we've seen the immediate effect of bringing in Conti has already changed a lot of the way that we've played, especially attacking and leads like that open style game, which will be at home. I expect that place to be rocking for Conti's first Premier League game. Um, so it's. I think we actually catch Leeds in a good spot here where it's going to be an open game and we're going to see an, a lot of opportunity for – I think we won't. We definitely won't see another no shots on goal. I think there will be plenty of shots to be had for both sides. But I like our quality a lot more than I like Leeds' quality. So I think this is a really good spot that we're catching them in. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I mean, they, um, they've uh – their, their form of last season certainly hasn't carried over into this season. I think a lot of uh, of teams in the Premier League have kind of figured them out a little bit, um, uh, figured out where some of their weaknesses are. And it was always that they're they're aggressive um, for a team that's as low as they are on the table. And, and uh, uh, you can certainly take advantage of that. And when one of the big things with them, too, is – I think actually the way Conti is going to have us play, and we've already seen it a little bit in these first two games with him, is it's a thing that Conti's systems love where it's that high press and forcing mistakes on their, their own third, which is something that Leeds loves to do. If you can press Leeds when they have the ball in their own third, it's, or that um, around their own box, they make tons of mistakes and they give you tons of ample opportunities to just crucify them off those mistakes. So... I think Conti's definitely going to have us running these next two weeks and get the, like, just, just press, 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 force them into dumb mistakes that we can easily turn into cheap, easy goals. Completely agree. I think the other part, I know we mentioned it in the, the first half of this podcast, we won't have Skip for the game. 
And so I'm curious on what the replacement will be, whether it'll be a call it like for like, if you will, if that means Winx comes on or whether we'll be a little bit more creative minded. I don't think Pierre, uh, um, I don't think Pierre, Skip and Lucas have the passing or the creative passing ability to create from that midfield. So I'm interested to see where LaCelso and Ndombele fit in. Maybe this is their time to start and shine during the Leeds game. Um, Alistair Gold today also posted an article that said the Spurs may be shifting from a 3-4-3 to a 3-4-1-2. And I'm intrigued by, by what th this may be a chance with Skip out, even though I'm sure long-term Skip would be that player to hold the midfield, but a potential opportunity to see what the future formation may be. Yeah, maybe Deli I gets in there. Maybe who's going to play in that hole is the question. Mm -hmm. You know, who can who can make that final pass? Who can link up the play and hold on to the ball under pressure? And the only guy that sounds like he can do that is Ndombele. But maybe maybe Deli Alley with a different formation with guys on the left and right of him. Maybe he can uh, you know maybe he can step up and, and, and be that guy. Um, so a hundredth meeting with uh, Leeds. We did the math here. Hundredth <laughs> meeting with Leeds here, and uh, you know I think. I think we're, we're meeting him at a good time, and this is a good game for Conte. Actually, I think the next uh, maybe 10 games are good for Conte. I think he has a nice run of form, but he's not playing, I think, anyone in the top six, oh. um, which is great. It was perfect timing to bring him in. It yeah. really was. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing uh, – we, we have a run of matches that are pretty winnable, Leicester probably being the toughest uh, competition in this, uh, this run up through, uh, through the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like Leeds, Brentford, Norwich, a couple of – we played Murrah and Ren again in the Mickey Mouse League. But, like, you have um, – yeah, these are all winnable games. Um, so it's this is a time where it's it's ideal for him in terms of this is the time we can be working on things and trying to refine our identity before we get just thrown to the dogs with, like, a bunch of cities or Chelsea or Arsenal all in a row or something. It's like this is a nice – kind of a easier like kind of easier way into it opportunity and like I said the way Leeds plays I think this is going to be this could be the perfect game that Skip actually has to sit out like because um, I think this is going to be a uh, going to be a bit of a barn burner so <laughs> I can, hopefully it's not as crazy and wild as the Vitesse game was but I expect to see a lot of a lot of back and forth flying around between both teams and we'll, we'll get the uh, Conte will get to see what he has to work with and and maybe see who absolutely has to be replaced to, at the winter window Re, regardless like what there there very well could be a couple of positions a center back probably mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that that absolutely needs to be replaced uh, regardless of what else he does um, before we start taking on those uh, those top teams again exactly yeah and i mean the, the next top team i think we play is liverpool You know, if we build enough confidence, I mean, who knows? I mean, honestly, who yeah, knows? West Ham, West Ham beat him yesterday. Yeah, can did. be done. They can. It's not impossible. You know. Yeah. Well, let's go to predictions on this one, um, and we will st start with James first on this time. I'm gonna go with uh, four two. I'm gonna go two for Son, one for Kane, one for Ndombele. Okay, I like it. Uh, yeah, Lucas? I got us. I got scoring a bit too. I got us three-one. I'll say Kane gets a brace, and then I'll say Emerson Royale gets uh, gets himself a goal. I think I like the way our fullbacks have been playing. It's about it's just a matter of time until one of them 
gets their way onto the score sheet. Good point. Good point, Mike. I think we can uh, not let Leeds score. I'm gonna say two nil. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna say Kane and Reguilon. Okay, um, I think it's gonna be high scoring. Um, I like your four, James, but I, I, I would not be shocked to see us make some bonehead plays and <laughs> and see Leeds get get quite a few goals. So I'm gonna say it's four three. Uh, kind of a nerve-wracking uh, end and finish, but we pull through. Um, I th- think we get a goal from Kane, a goal from Sun. I think we get a, col- a goal from Emerson Royal, and I think we get a goal from Ndombele. I think uh, he, whether he starts or comes in, um, I think uh, – he's due for something in that extra time that Conte's been spending with him uh, um, will we'll pay dividends eventually. Uh, so that's kind of my uh, prediction there. Um, so I want to wrap up the, the podcast. Any final thoughts on the week that was, the international break coming, uh, the return from international just break? Please, all players, just stay safe. <laughs> Don't yes. Please just stay healthy Come during this international injured. break. <clears throat> That's the big thing, yeah. And, yeah, um, and I think it's been nice to enjoy the uh, the the watching the matches again with yes. with Conte, and it's just it's it's fun again. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's like nine games in December, maybe ten games in December, mm. and you know, with Nuno, there would not have been the same enthusiasm as there is right now. So I'm looking forward to any Spurs match, any Spurs match, Conference League, any any game that we play. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And it's, it's great to see crowds coming back to the Atlantic um, where we watch. Um, yeah, great turnout yesterday. It's like you wouldn't have told – I wouldn't have guessed that after that United game last week that 8 a.m. on a Sunday would bring out the kind of crowd we drew. So it's, it's, it's pretty obvious to see that it's like if you're playing that attractive football, people will come. So <laughs> yeah. it's great guys, to see people back out. Do you think we'll see the, uh, a lower caliber team for the Murrah game coming up? Four days or three days after we play Leeds, is, it, is he is he at the point where he's going to go with Galini and company again? Or that is one, he, I think, yeah. Cause yeah, this, like the Vitesse team and the Ren team that we see in the group are a lot better. F's, like Mura is a bit of a joke. <laughs> you could probably fall into a five nil win on that one. Well, and and also I think he just really wanted to see what he what he had to work with. It was a with. one-time thing for that league. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I when we get it to the knockouts, I think he'll start to take it a little bit more. Because I I do think with with this conference league, there's a, an opportunity, even if it is a Mickey Mouse trophy, to to show these players that yes, you can win something and you can hold a trophy up and celebrate, even if it is that that conference league that we're gonna that, that fans will laugh other fans will laugh at Spurs fans for celebrating but they're gonna I laugh at us they're gonna laugh at us anyway I'd rather yep. be holding a trophy when they do so yeah <laughs> yeah so exactly so I, I think I think it it's a great Roma. opportunity so I think when we get further along but that yeah that that one F uh, and that will be Thanksgiving here in the United States um, I think that one um, we might see a little bit different, but we'll preview that one when we have our return. Uh, we are going to take this next uh, week off, but but we do have uh, Catherine's going to be uh, doing one of her stateside Spurs uh, segments during this week off. Uh, so definitely check in on that, and then we will be back as a normal podcast after the Leeds match uh, next or in two 
uh, Mondays. Um, but that about wraps up the podcast. So thank you so much for J- James, Mike, and Lucas for being on today. Uh, thanks to Tom, Tommy for editing and sound. I guess me for recording. Uh, Charlie for the music. Uh, Kevin for social media. Um, we had no halftime segments. Uh, Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. It's great to be recording here again. We will get that sound back together, but we're only doing this once a month, so it's still... Uh, we got some learning curves to, to relearn how to do this in person. So sorry about that first half sound quality. Uh, check us out on, on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs. Uh, uh, write us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, check us out on our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.